4: The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of
5: NASCAR.
6: Nice and clean. Execute our race. First, ourselves
4: position. Got to be there at the end. Yep. Copy that. Have a nice, smooth day and got to be there when it counts. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. The
0: Viva Las Vegas,
2: baby. Hell yeah. Hell yeah,
7: guys. Great job.
2: Great job, Kyle. So proud of you, man. God has been so good in this team. It's been a hell of a journey for all of us. Hendrick's been really good at Phoenix. Chase dominated that race last year, so I think Hendrick Motorsports as a whole is just really, really strong right now everywhere.
4: NASCAR Live is brought to you by Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry. Trusted to perform since 1952 by Xfinity X5, internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. And by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the motor racing network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live. Here on the Motor Racing Network, Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you for yet another weekly get-together on the heels of a very important weekend for Hendrick Motorsports and Kyle Larson. He's back on top. He went to... Victory Lane over the weekend in the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. He's going to join us on the show today, and we'll talk about his long road to redemption. Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs is going to have a busy weekend this weekend. He's going to be racing in the Arkham Menard Series race and the NASCAR Xfinity Series races at Phoenix. We'll talk with him about his weekend and a lot more. We'll be joined by MRN anchors Jeff Striegel and Alex Hayden. We'll get caught up on the storylines as we head into race weekend number five. Also, March is Women's History Month. Later in the show, we'll look back at some of the women that have made a difference in the sport of NASCAR. Plus, we've got this week in NASCAR history, a preview of this weekend's race at Phoenix, and a lot more. But first, as always, Kyle Ricky is here. He's the host of NASCAR Hot Pass on many of these same MRN stations, and he's going to get us caught up on the latest news. Kyle?
6: Mike, Hendrick Motorsports has been the dominant force on the NASCAR Cup Series over the last two weeks, winning in Miami with William Byron, And again, last weekend in Las Vegas with Kyle Larson. Kyle Busch has had a tough start to the season with his Joe Gibbs racing team, currently sitting 14th in the championship standings, and says that he believes JGR is a bit behind Hendrick along with Team Penske to start the season.
5: We as JGR, we are definitely uh, a little bit behind and uh, we'll continue to try to work on that and get better. But as the perception seems to be, you know, Hendrick and Penske are certainly ahead of us. Bush
6: is coming off a season best third last week in Vegas. And when it is time to go racing this Sunday in Phoenix for the Instacart 500, American Pie star and Fox game show host Jason Biggs will serve as the virtual Grand Marshal. Biggs, who played Jim in the American Pie series of movies from 1999 to 2012, is now the host of Fox Network's newest game show, Cherry's Wild. Biggs is not a stranger to NASCAR, as he has been a guest at the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California, over the years. MRN will have live coverage of Sunday's race beginning at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The NASCAR Xfinity Series will also be in Phoenix, racing on Saturday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern here on MRN. Mike.
1: Thank you, Kyle. Coming up on NASCAR Live, Sunday's winner at Las Vegas, Kyle Larson, will join us. And later, we'll have a fast forum with MRN's Jeff Striegel and Alex Hayden.
3: This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota racing team is doing their part to take the trophy home.
4: the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
1: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It's been a long, hard road for Kyle Larson. The driver of the number five, Hendrick Chevrolet, is back on top. MRN's Kim Kuhn caught up with Kyle after the win in the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas and his season moving forward.
8: fresh off a win at Las Vegas would you have guessed that you'd get to victory lane that soon after joining Hendrick and then also after being out of the seat for almost a year uh
9: I would say it's it's a little surprising for sure you know I thought going to a, a new race team there'd be some learning uh to do with each other and and you know me being new to a team I didn't know if the cars would drive way differently and I'd have to get used to that or something and you know, Cliff and them having to get used to my driving style, but I feel like we've been great, you know, every race, and we've gelled really well together. We've communicated well throughout the week and um, prepared as a race team really great. So um, after, you know, the road course there and then going to Homestead, I felt like we were definitely building towards a win, um, and I was, you know, obviously glad to to put all together at Vegas and have a, a really fast race car and and get the job done.
8: In your post-race press conference, you had said that there was a lot of emotion and that you even at one point got choked up taking the white flag. Why? What was going through your head?
9: You know, I, I guess I didn't know if I would ever win another Cup Series race. So, um, just very thankful that I got the opportunity and, and got a second chance, really. Um, so, that that meant a lot to me. And um, yeah, once I got to that white flag, I was a little choked up and and excited, um, during that final lap, just knowing that yeah, I wasn't going to be challenged by anybody behind me and barring anything crazy happening, we were, we had won the race. So, um, definitely cool. And, and, having some friends there at the race and stuff was, was neat. Um, and yeah, just a, a long kind of road to, to get back to where I'm wanted to be. And, um, so definitely cool to get a win for Mr. H and everybody who, who took a big chance on me and um, Hendrickcars.com and Chevrolet and and everybody at Hendrick Motorsports. It was definitely a special win.
8: Because you won last weekend, you're, we'll say, all but guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. And with that victory and also knowing that Phoenix is the site of the championship race, does your team approach the race any differently than you would have if you hadn't won at Vegas?
9: I'm not sure. I haven't haven't talked to Cliff or, or anybody about that, if they approach the race any differently. I wouldn't imagine that they do. Um, I think you, we probably put a lot of emphasis on every single race we go to. Uh, I know the way I prepare each weekend, you're looking at data and stuff is, is going to be no different this week than it's been. Um, you continue to study as much as I can do as much homework and in preparation as I can to be ready for the race. Just like I probably will be if I'm in the final four later this year. So, um, but as far as the car side of things and the way they call the race and stuff, I don't know if that changes now that we've gotten a win, but um, you know, maybe you can be a little bit more aggressive throughout stages and stuff like that to try and get, get some more playoff points. But for the most part, you know, we, we try to go out there and win the races and um, in, in try to position yourself strategically throughout the race to win the race. So I don't think that they probably do much different now, but but I could be wrong.
8: Your stats at Phoenix are great. Just looking at the last four finishes, top six and all of them. What do you like about racing at Phoenix?
9: Yeah, I I don't know. Um, When I was at Ganassi, we were always pretty good. Um, Never great there, but, but I could run. Yeah. You know, in the top 10 to fourth to 10th, really all race long. And um, then, you know, pick some people off on restarts and stuff if we had a late one. So um, I don't know. I I, I like it. You know, now they've, putting the, the VHT and stuff on the track and it's really opened up the lanes and allowed you to move around some. So, um, it's a fun place. You know, each end is different. Um, so that, you know, has a lot of uniqueness to it and, and I like tracks that are like that. So, um, look forward to getting there. Um, especially after, you know, Chase kind of dominated the race last year. So I know we'll have a fast car. Um, we just got to go out there and, and execute like we've been doing.
8: finally, you recently launched the Kyle Larson Foundation. I know it's still in its infancy, but what's the goal for it? And then a lot of drivers have foundations. So how will this one be different?
9: Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, Starting the Kyle Larson Foundation. It's kind of been something we've been working on for a a while now. Um, But yeah, it's the Drive for Five program. Uh, I'm going to donate $5 per lap I complete and $5,000 for every top five finish. So already this year um i've finished over 600 laps and uh two top five so that's uh, roughly around fourteen thousand dollars so you know that'll continue to grow a lot which is cool um the three organizations i'll be working with are uh the tony sane foundation um who's a big part of my my comeback last year and um the urban youth racing school as well um i've, I've done some stuff with them in the past and. Looking forward to having them a part of my foundation, and then also the Tender Cares program. So um, the three of those are are special to me. And yeah, through my foundation, uh, I'm dedicated to bringing people together and providing support to benefit today's youth, um, families and and communities in need. So uh, really cool to to finally kind of get my own foundation. Like you mentioned, a lot of drivers have them, um, and, and it's been something that I've, I've wanted to do for probably, gosh, four or five years now, but have never really pulled the trigger to do it. So um, great that, that we can finally get it out there and, and work towards growing it into something big.
1: That's Hendrick Motorsports driver Kyle Larson with our Kim Coon on the way. We'll pull in Jeff Striegel and Alex Hayden into the conversation and talk about the season so far.
4: Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
1: We welcome you back to NASCAR Live. So glad you are with us on our weekly get-together. We are about to head out west to Phoenix Raceway for the Instacart 500 race weekend. And the anchors of the Motor Racing Network, Jeff Striegel, Alex Hayden, joining us as we get you squared away and get you set up for our run into the Valley of the Sun. We'll start up north at the great state of Michigan where we bring in Jeff Striegel. Top of the, uh, top of the day there, top of the show, Jeffrey. How are we doing? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Fantastic. Let's go to the links in Florida, where we bring in Alex Hayden. How are those links treating you? Uh, quite well today, actually. It's been a been a great week of golf down here. I'm ready to get the Phoenix, though. Well, it's been a great week for Hendrick Motorsports and Kyle Larson. I would say that that story of him winning over the weekend at las vegas motor speedway jeff probably the number one story on a lot of lists out there across nascar nation
10: yeah i would think mike for sure and i have a feeling that this is not the only time we're going to see kyle larson in victory lane in 2021 and i don't know why but i just feel like we're about to see something really special develop not only with kyle larson but that entire five team and i think it would even go deeper uh alex hayden and i think We're looking at something special with the Hendrick Motorsports organization. It almost would appear that they are back and they are hitting on all cylinders. And you look at William Byron the week before, now Kyle Larson. I have a feeling this team is ready to roll.
11: I agree. And given the fact that Chase Elliott won his championship last year on a walk-off at Phoenix International Raceway, uh, by the way, we're, we're racing this coming weekend. I don't expect anything different out of the Hendrick cars, especially Chase Elliott. So uh, Alex Bowman runs exceptionally well at Phoenix. He runs quite well at all the mile-and-a-halves, for that matter. I think this is going to be a, a big year for Kyle Larson. I think it's going to be a big year for Hendrick Motorsports.
1: Well, let's talk about the ripple effect of that Kyle Larson win. That was also Cliff Daniels' first win in the Cup Series. He tried to get Jimmy to victory lane for, what, two years or so, finally able to get there in four races with Kyle Larson. Alex, what does this say about Cliff Daniels and what he's been able to accomplish in a relatively short period of time with a very talented race car driver like Kyle?
11: He's been an, he's a mechanical engineer, so he understands how to set up race cars. Was Jimmy Johnson's lead engineer before getting the tap on the shoulder to go be his crew chief uh, mid-season two years ago, and then obviously all of last year. But for Cliff Daniels to have that much pressure, he'd never been a crew chief, let alone in the Cup Series. He'd never been a crew chief in the top levels of NASCAR uh, until he got called to come be Jimmy Johnson's crew chief. So for him to finally break through and get a win, I think that's as big as Kyle Larson breaking through and, and getting back to winner's circle as well. This way, everybody can take a deep breath everybody can settle in and relax now and just kind of be themselves and go race now moving forward i think it was a huge huge win you can't state it enough for cliff daniels
1: one of the things that we noticed over the weekend in las vegas is something that opened a lot of folks eyes and that was the the challenges and the struggles of stewart haas racing the highest finishing shr car in las vegas was kevin harvick and rodney childers finishing in the 20th position. Jeff, you think this is cause for alarm, or do you think that perhaps maybe this was an anomaly, maybe maybe a one-off in an early season of a team trying to get its footing in a new racing season?
10: Well, I think if we ask Eric Elmarola that, if we ask Chase Briscoe that, they're going to say probably time to sound the alarm. I don't know that anybody needs to go and, and just throw the white flag out there and say that we're done for the year, because obviously we all know that that would be premature. I think if I'm That organization right now, I probably have the crew chiefs and the engineers, like Alex was talking about, probably gathered around a a big round table somewhere and saying, okay, where are we at? Why are we where we are? Because I don't think anybody expected them to be where they are right now. Obviously, Mike, like you just pointed out, it was not a good day. They're not off to a great start by any stretch. I think Kevin Harvick has really been chasing it. Uh, since they got to Daytona he's not been a factor at least not the way we would expect Kevin Harvick to be so do I think that they're sounding the alarm maybe uh, is it time to say that the season is over for them absolutely not but I think it certainly cause for concern
1: we'll see this weekend if uh, Kevin Harvick can rebound at Phoenix Raceway before we get into Phoenix and before we hit a break any other things caught your eye in the opening four races this season Jeff
10: Well, I think you have to go back and say Michael McDowell, Christopher Bell, William Byron, Kyle Larson, collectively now, collectively, they have a grand total of 11 cup wins. Uh, What a a crazy start, Mike. McDowell getting his first, Christopher Bell getting his first, William Byron getting his second, and now Kyle Larson getting just his seventh win. I think we're in for a, a crazy year. And, and then just like we were talking about a moment ago, where in the world is Stuart Haas? Where is Kyle Busch been? So we're only four races in, but we have multiple storylines that we could go one direction or, or another with.
1: I think that um, it's going to bear watching. There are some drivers that have begun to slowly dig themselves out of an early season hole. Um, Eric Jones, one of them, Kyle Busch, the other. But uh, lots of work left to be done. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the Instacart 500 race weekend coming up at Phoenix Raceway as NASCAR Live continues.
4: Whelan would like to congratulate Kyle Larson and his number five Hendrick Motorsports pit crew for the win at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. They are the Whelan pit crew of the week. For Larson, the return to victory lane with a lucky seven career win was a total team effort.
2: I knew we were close to getting a win. Our our pit crew done a really good job all season long. Uh, Cliff and everybody has been bringing really fast race cars to the track. And for the most part, I've been doing my job, too, on the racetrack. So I knew if we could continue to do that, we would get a win. And today we put it all together and and had a dominating race car to go along with it. And. made my job behind the wheel a lot
4: easier. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952. Now, back to your host, Mike Bagley.
1: We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. Coming up this weekend, Motor Racing Network and the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series heading out to Phoenix Raceway. Last time we were there, we were crowning Chase Elliott, the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series champion. Austin Sendrick winning the 2020 NASCAR Xfinity Series title. Alex, in general, Phoenix Raceway, how has that track changed since they flip-flopped it? Has it has it changed a lot in your mind as far as what teams have to do to be competitive out there?
11: You know, Mike, I don't think it really has. I think what has changed is the fact that, that NASCAR and the racetrack get together and they add that PJ1, the traction compound, down on the racing surface, which widens out the racing lines. It gives the drivers plenty of options. I think... That, as much as anything, has been the biggest factor that's forced drivers to look around at different lines to get around Phoenix Raceway. We know it's a tough racetrack, given the fact that there's really only one straightaway, and that is now the backstretch. Turns one and two are, are completely flat, exit of turn number four. So the surface is still the same. The track still the same. I think it's just the PJ1, and now the drivers have outside lanes, they have middle lanes, and if they don't want to use it at all, they can stay down at the very bottom. We've seen them cut the dog leg, go below the line. I mean, it's totally legal. I think what NASCAR and the racetrack have done to try to enhance the racing has been the biggest key.
1: What do you think the uh, effect of PJ1 has been on the racing out there in Phoenix, Jeff? Uh, I think you got to go with what
10: uh, Alex was just pointing out. You've got multiple lanes. I mean, when we used to go to Phoenix, and Mike, you know this – Uh, There was one way around that racetrack and one way only, and that was at the bottom of the racetrack. And if you wanted to get by somebody, you had to put a bumper on them and move them up out of the racing groove and drive underneath them. Uh, We have seen, Alex, and you know this, we've seen countless times now where a driver is very capable of working the high line through three and four and coming off turn number four, making a pass at what is now the start-finish line.
1: So we're heading into Phoenix this weekend. We have been on a super speedway. We've been on a road course. We've been on two different mile-and-a-half racetracks. Now we come into a mile track, Jeff. A lot of teams view this as a short track. Some say this is the final racetrack type that they have to experience to get a gauge on what they have. Where do we begin this weekend trying to figure out what we can expect? Is it as easy as going back? to last fall or last year at Phoenix, where are we beginning this weekend?
10: I I think yes and no. I think we can look at the yes side of it to say, as we roll into Phoenix and with the role that Hendrick is on right now, I think you've got to look at Byron and Bowman and Elliott and Kyle Larson to be the four drivers that are running up front, probably. Uh, Then when you say, you know, the yes or no, I think – there's a lot of unanswered questions and I think that you and I have talked about this off air too to say is this a weekend that Truex goes back to victory lane what about Harvick what about Brad what about what about what about we just keep going on there's a long list of drivers that are waiting to have a very big day and certainly it could come in Phoenix this weekend but I think and, and don't you Mike that If we're looking at four drivers to beat, don't they all belong to that one same organization?
1: I'm thinking you're right. I'm thinking that obviously Hendrick Motorsports is key. You got Team Penske that could uh, take some wind out of those sales. The JGR cars always strong out there. I know it doesn't matter what organization you're with. One of the main goals is probably going to be to complete every lap and get that notebook as full of data as you can because the next time we come back here, depending on who you are, you could be running for a championship and you're going to need every data point, every element of feedback and every element of, uh, of information you can get to try to make that championship weekend as successful as you possibly can.
10: You know, what's interesting about what you just said there is they all did that one year ago, uh, racing in the spring out in Phoenix, knowing that they were going to close the season at the end of the year and did def- decide a championship. Now they come back with that opportunity to do it again who learned, who's ready to apply what they learned, who learned how to win, and quite honestly, who is still out to lunch and trying to gain the fast way around the racetrack. So, again, based on what we saw there when we were there last in November, you would think that Chase Elliott and that organization would be the team to beat, but we can't overlook Kevin Harvick. Uh, We know he's had a difficult start to 2021, but there is nobody in their right mind – that would count Kevin out of this race coming up here on Sunday?
1: Nope, I don't believe that's the case, but we'll all find out together. The Instacart 500 race weekend, you'll hear it right here on the Motor Racing Network. Appreciate the time as always, Jeff. Alex, thank you for joining us as well. Safe travels out there, Jeff, to uh, the western part of the country and go green.
10: All right, buddy. Thank you, and we will see you soon, Mike. Go white.
1: Jeff, a fan of Michigan State and their successes, obviously, in their collegiate basketball program coming up on nascar live we'll celebrate the women of nascar and later we'll hear from ty gibbs this is nascar live now back to mike bagley thank you for taking time out of your busy day to join us here on nascar live as many of you know march is women's history month and over the years there have been a number of strong women that have made an impact on this sport For more on the history of women in NASCAR, here's Susie Armstrong.
12: March is Women's History Month, and just like the rest of the world, NASCAR is celebrating the dynamic and talented women who have graced our beloved sport and those waiting in the wings ready to be the influencers of the future. Women have been involved in NASCAR since its inception in 1948. Many agree that the sport may not have taken shape without the financial guidance of Bill France Sr.'s beloved wife and NASCAR's business lady, Anne B. France. On track, Sarah Christian, Ethel Mobley, and Louise Smith all competed alongside the good old boys through the 1950s and 60s, making only a handful of starts.
10: And in 33rd position, a driver that an awful lot of people will be looking at today, Janet Guthrie from New York in the Kelly Services Chevrolet. Many didn't think she could qualify here.
4: Janet, congratulations.
7: Thank you. I think it was uh, just fine. I uh, spun on a flat tire there um, uh, a little bit before the end, uh, so I was working pretty hard to get back what I lost. I gather from what they tell me that I did. A decade
12: later, Janet Guthrie started in the 1976 World 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway, finishing 15th and besting the likes of Dale Earnhardt. Guthrie never raced a full schedule, yet she did land in the history books as the first woman to lead a Cup Series race, albeit under caution, in 1977.
11: Shauna Robinson is on the pole. Joe Nemechek flanks her on the outside. Green flag is in the air.
5: Robinson gets the edge coming into the corner, working on the outside of the racetrack. Here's Nemechek trying
1: to take advantage off the turn, but Robinson leads the way off turn number two. Side by side, down the back straightaway. Shauna Robinson to the outside. Check that the inside. Here's Mike Wallace. He dives to the inside into turn number three, three wide. Shauna Robinson became the first woman to win a
12: NASCAR Touring Series event in 1988 and continued to break into the books in 1994 as the first female to score a pole in a NASCAR Premier Series. More women joined Robinson on America's tracks during the 1990s, mostly across NASCAR's home tracks, but since Guthrie's short career, a void remained in the Cup Series.
2: And Barney, for the first time in 14 years, there's a woman in the field. Yeah, Shawna Robinson made the field. We'll talk uh, about her as the afternoon goes by. I hope she has a good run here
10: today. She's very optimistic that they've got a good race car and and she can have a good performance here this
2: afternoon.
12: I don't really ever think about the woman thing part of it, but the day in itself, it's just, it's a huge boundary for me to get to the next step. I needed to qualify for a race. I needed to get that question out of the out of the mark and I think when it came down to qualifying the fact that I stepped it up and did what I needed to do knew what I needed to do and did it and planned on doing the same thing at California but never got to that point so I think just the path that I'm taking is is just this is another step and the next step is today and uh, racing all day long. Shauna Robinson decided to change all that in 2001 at Michigan. Two years later at Texas Motor Speedway Robinson's team would feature the first all-female pit crew for a NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Clash.
10: Well, can she put herself in position to make history? A lot of drivers left to go. Here she comes. Checkered flag is out. Danica Patrick's second lap is quickest of all and just shy of a new track record here. Danica Patrick, 196.434 miles per hour. Danica Patrick right now, the quickest, the gal to beat here in Daytona.
7: I have a feeling that's going to be one of those things in 10, 20, 30 years I look back on and think something of it, whatever that may be. But at this point in time, it's just about going out there and getting what you can from the car, working hard, and um, and making the most of my opportunities now. I think, that's, I think that I'm going to be happier in the end because I'll have been more focused during. Um, so I'll, I'll let you all talk about what that means. I don't know. I'm just turning left.
12: The most notable contemporary female to make a splash in the Cup Series was Danica Patrick. Skilled at the wheel of an Indy car, NASCAR presented a big learning curve for the open wheel veteran, yet the talented Patrick became the first woman in cup history to land a full-time ride, joining the ranks of Stuart Haas Racing, and immediately scoring the pole at Daytona. Patrick continued successfully for seven years, making 191 starts. So I think that truck racing, now, I think it's where I need to be at to learn and develop at the pace that I think... Um, I need to at the moment like I feel like I need a lot more experience in my belt a lot more hard racing a lot more messing with the air how it like you are in track racing and I think that's something
7: that it's just going to take time to learn and I think it's going to be a struggle at first I'm not going to go out there and set the world on fire and win my first race out there and people have to understand
12: that and it's going to take time it's going to take a lot of learning but I think eventually we'll obviously get better um, with time. One of the fresh female faces on the track is Haley Deegan. After scoring victories in the k Pro Series West, Deegan made the jump to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series in 2021. 175
9: million dollars spent to renovate
1: a racetrack that I think everybody in the industry has, for many years, looked at as probably one of the most exciting coming to Phoenix to ISM Raceway. And Julie Geesey is the brand new president of ISM Raceway.
3: I have been. Part of the project team developing and, and working on all these renovations because uh, I've been here for the last two years getting getting my way around and seeing everything come to life, it's it's remarkable. We're so proud of what we've accomplished and excited to
12: show everyone what we've done. Following a long and illustrious career in various roles with International Speedway Corporation, Julie Giese received a promotion to president of Phoenix Raceway in 2018 and immediately directed the $178 million redesign of the one-mile track. Geezy has been a force in motorsports for almost two decades and has become a major player in the marketing and redevelopment of several major facilities, including the massive Daytona Rising project. Jill Gregory is a name familiar to NASCAR Insiders, serving as NASCAR Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing and Content Officer for several years. In 2021, Gregory took a position at Sonoma Raceway and is now executive vice president and director of sports marketing at the Northern California Road Course.
6: From the competition side, they go and pull from Dale Jr. just kind of his knowledge, his you know, what what his gut feeling is. It's still his company, but the fact is, is that his role has really been sort of Hands off. Let Kelly run the company, and he drops in, um, you know, a good bit.
12: The Earnhardt family are huge influencers in NASCAR racing, and Kelly Earnhardt, Dale Jr.'s older sister, has been a major family force since 2001 at the helm of Junior Motorsports as co-owner and day-to-day operational taskmaster extraordinaire.
5: CEO of of the International Speedway Corporation, and uh, recently was named uh, the most powerful woman. In sports, Lisa France-Kennedy.
3: So important to continue to modernize these tracks and to be able to bring the modern-day amenities um, and comforts into these tracks and always improving tracks across our portfolio and also great racing
12: experiences. So I think we can make some great improvements there. Undoubtedly, one of the most powerful and influential women in NASCAR is Lisa France-Kennedy. As NASCAR's executive vice chair, the third-generation France family heir is well-known worldwide as one who has influenced and nurtured the growth of auto racing. As we launch this new decade, the number of women in NASCAR continues to grow, as does the demand from fans eager to see the competition diversify and intensify.
1: Thank you, Susie. What a collection of women, some truly amazing women. And they've accomplished so much in this sport. Coming up next, we'll hear from Joe Gibbs racing driver Ty Gibbs. And later, we'll look back on the events of this week in NASCAR history. This is NASCAR Live.
11: Ty Gibbs has the lead. And it is Austin Cindric about 20 car lengths in the rear. Ty Gibbs, his first career. NASCAR Xfinity Series start. Got a huge lead right now. He exits the 31 degrees of banking, has to deal with the chicane, turns 13 and 14. Ty Gibbs breaks. He gets on the throttle. He comes up off the corner. Checkered flag is in the air. In his first career start in the Xfinity Series, Ty Gibbs wins the Super Start Batteries 188, presented by O'Reilly at Daytona.
1: Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend, Ty Gibbs will be back in a car for both the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and the Arkham Menard Series out at Phoenix Raceway. MRN's Woody Kane talked with Ty about this very busy weekend he's got coming up. Ty Gibbs
0: joins us now. Last time we saw him, he was in Victory Lane at the Daytona Road Course in his first ever Xfinity Series start in the number 54 Toyotas for Joe Gibbs Racing. Ty, I imagine these last couple of weeks have been a real whirlwind for you. Has your head stopped spinning yet?
7: It's uh, It's been a Crazy ride for the last couple of weeks, man. It's uh, a lot of stuff going on. I'm very thankful for the position I'm in to be able to race cars and do what I love. And it's just, uh, it's been, it's been really cool. After you got that victory, the team announced that you will add
0: 14 races to your Xfinity schedule. And it's a pretty diverse set. Your grandfather and team owner, Joe Gibbs said you and your father, Coy were kind of selecting races that you thought could help you the most. So tell me about that process and why you picked the tracks that you did. I see there are five road courses on there. You've already got a victory there. So that's one indicator.
7: Yeah. So there's a lot that went into it. It took us a good amount to figure out what we're going to do and, um, they uh, they got the right races and they they worked hard and kind of fig- figuring out where would be good places for me to run that I'm gonna go in the future and um you know just like Phoenix it's a great facility great track and a lot of road courses I'm I'm really excited for that too so I like road course racing and um you know I can be able to hopefully go win some more road courses and, and then hopefully do some, win some ovals you know I'm just gonna, Kind of play by ear here in the, in the next couple races, next many series, because I've never raced an oval yet. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, there's been a lot of thought process going into the the schedule, and um, they've they've got it all dialed in here.
0: You're about to get a ton busier. In addition to the 14 extra Xfinity races, you're running for the championship in ARCA, and you'll be doing double duty at Phoenix Raceway this season. Have you done anything like that before?
7: Um, I've done a couple um, double headers um, in in my time, and um, they're pretty fun. It's just, I feel like, just two different races that you go in there with the same mindset of winning it and doing whatever you can to come out with the best finish, and um, so, it shouldn't be that much of a big deal. You know, running the next series is really big for me, but um, from the success we've had already, I think we can have a decently good shot to run really good in the next race. And it'll be good for me to have seat time and at least because we, we we've got practice and I go out there and stretch and roll out before I roll out. So, it's not like going out there cold and, and firing off with no practice. So, it'll be nice to have the, the Archer car the day before.
0: Now you did have some experience in the Arca Car at Phoenix, led like a, a hundred and some laps, I think, and started on the pole, finished third there la- early last year, pre-pandemic. And... Which race? Yeah, the first <laughs> my, Yeah, my how the world has changed in that short amount of time, right? I know. But so it's not like a, a track you haven't seen at all before. Tell me about how you find the racing at Phoenix because it's it's a little different now that they flip flop the start finish line.
7: Yeah. Um... You know, I really, I, I got there run there when the new, the new track concept was out, so it was nothing really different for me, and um, it's a great racetrack. I feel like that's a driver's track for sure on the schedule. You've got different lines. You can run with the PG-1 laid down on the top and the bottom, actually, not just on the top, um, and the track kind of changes a lot. It's really temperature sensitive, so, you know, you got to make sure your car's set up for the night, and, um, you know, when, and when the sun goes down, it gets cold out there, so uh, it's a really good place. It's definitely got a spot in my heart, and it's one of my favorite tracks of all time, and. And I haven't gone to a, that many racetracks, but it's going to be up there for a, a long time. And, um, you know, I love that track. It's The restarts are great. I like the dog leg. I like everything about it, how the the desert, too. And I don't really go get to go out of the desert. So it's nice to kind of go out there and visit. And it's a, it's a good trip. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really great facility.
0: Now, we started a little while ago talking about, you know, you growing up and being around football. But I'm curious if you remember the very first time you thought, you know what? I want to be a racer. I want to do that professionally. Do you remember those thoughts?
7: Yeah, um, the first time I ever drove a real go kart, I was at Millbridge Speedway in Salisbury, North Carolina, and I, I was like, I really this is this is fun for me, and I like being in the dirt too. So it was uh, it was really cool, and to to know I just want to be a race car driver. I've always wanted to do something in racing and com- and competing and, and anything in sport. I feel like when you're in a, com- a competitive family, it really runs in the blood, and so. I've, uh, I've definitely harnessed that, and um, and I want to just compete. I like it. It definitely is a lot of fun,
0: and as your grandfather said, you got that competitive nature and you uh, to, to carry you forward for sure. So good luck this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be a busy guy for most of this year, but,
7: man, I guess you wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you. Yeah, yes, sir. Thank you for letting me come on, and uh, it was a good time. I hope everybody enjoys this. There you go. That's Ty Gibbs. He'll be in that number 54 car
0: in the Xfinity Series this weekend, and he's also running for the ARCA Championship.
1: That's Ty Gibbs. To hear much more of Woody's conversation with him, check out MRN Out Loud at MRN.com. Coming up, we'll preview this weekend's cup race at Phoenix, and we'll check this week in NASCAR history. This is NASCAR Live.
4: Now, back to Mike Bagley.
1: Closing in on the checkered flag on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we get to the finish line, this weekend, the NASCAR Cup Series is gearing up for race weekend number five. It's happening at Phoenix Raceway. What did drivers think of that one-mile oval? Here's a preview of this week's Instacart 500. The final race in the West
10: Coast swing on this one-mile Phoenix Raceway that is always fun to watch always treacherous
0: wide open spaces no
1: challengers front or rear william byron on his way off turn two what a dominating performance this afternoon for william byron he and rudy Fugel sending an early season message to the rest of the garage william byron through turns three and four for the final time
0: here in homestead tell me about the racing at phoenix now after the flip-flop of the start finish line and all that it seems like the restarts are nuts there
5: yeah the restarts are crazy i mean you, you really fan out out um, you know you, you got to find different lanes to run uh, getting into turn one and you can run the apron actually pretty well so you can kind of get down on the flat and run the apron which is uh, which is not really common for us at a lot of places so I enjoy it and uh, yeah yeah, I really kind of uh, I enjoy the challenge of Phoenix and it, it's difficult to pass because a lot of cars are are very close on speed so uh, it's about track position and um, you know, having a car that you can kind of drive up underneath guys and and turn up underneath guys and um you know usually there's a lot of green flag laps too so it's it's a tough short track
10: late race domination by william byron he comes off four final time checkered flag waving here at the start finish line and the dixie vodka 400 win belongs to william byron the second win in his career william byron scores the win here tonight
0: at the homestead miami speedway are the races there so far apart that what you have happened at the first one doesn't apply as much in the second or 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 is it you get pretty good notes from the first visit
5: yeah i think you get good notes but uh yeah i mean the biggest thing is you're going to go back there for the championship so it's a really important race in that aspect um you know but but yeah like you said i mean different players at different times of the year so you're going to have you know some some changeover with the guys who make the final four are obviously going to have really fast cars so uh it it kind of is a difference maker if you get in that final four you're going to have a better result so you just got to go there and try to learn some characteristics about the track and try to try to hopefully have a good good speed and a good run and we are now getting word from nascar
10: the winner of the 63rd running of the daytona 500 is indeed michael mcdowell they can go ahead and celebrate now it will be a victory by mere inches mcdowell wins the daytona
5: 500 but phoenix is a track that is um is one that we have circled that we really struggled at last year i think uh, not just our front row cars but roush cars in general we just haven't had what we needed at, at that particular track and, and not just phoenix but probably Loudon and Richmond as well um and so yeah hopefully we've made gains Uh, we're definitely going back to those racetracks with a completely different you know approach from a setup standpoint uh, just because they were such a struggle where you know miami we sort of had something to build on from last year and daytona road course we had something to build on from last year those races uh have been a struggle in particular the you know shorter flat tracks. so we we definitely um you know need to improve and hopefully we did but you just don't know until you get out on the race racetrack and see what you got
10: 28-year-old driver out of Elk Grove, California talking about Kyle Larson and if you've never seen posty this young man behind the wheel of a sprint car you're probably missing out Hendrick's been
2: really good at Phoenix you know, Chase dominated that race last year so um yeah I think Hendrick Motorsports as a whole is just really really strong right now everywhere so um and then I think us winning today helps the confidence um, a lot. And, yeah, I mean, I got all week to do more, do more homework and more studying and trying to, to learn how my teammates drove at Phoenix and kind of what these cars like. And, um, yeah, just prepare as, as much as we can.
1: Phoenix Raceway always produces some great racing. Can't wait to get out there. And, of course, twist it in right here to MRN to follow all the action. Before we close out this week's show, here's Susie Armstrong. She's back with This Week in NASCAR History.
12: Thanks, Mike. I'll catch you on the flip side in 1972. David Gates' smooth falsetto blared from 8-track stereo systems as soft rockers Bred climbed the charts with Everything I Own. Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill, and Madeline Kahn converged on a San Francisco hotel in the screwball comedy What's Up, Doc? And no one was messing with super techs as A.J. Foyt drove the Wood Brothers Mercury from the pole to his final NASCAR Cup Series victory in the Miller High Life 500 at Ontario
6: Motor Speedway. I'm trying to make it two in a row. Here's the Miller High Life 500. with about a third of a mile to go. It's A.J. Foyt. Staying on it, in the groove, coming up behind traffic, heading down the main straightaway as these fans give him a real welcome. A.J. Foyt, for the second straight year, will win the Miller
10: 500 by five, possibly six seconds.
12: 1988, Fox added headline comedian Gary Shandling to the Sunday night lineup as the Showtime hit It's Gary Shandling Show debuted on the fledgling TV network. Rick Astley couldn't have predicted he'd be the pop prank sensation of the future, but nevertheless rolled out the chart topping hit, Never Gonna Give You Up. And Neil Bonnet wasn't about to relinquish the top spot in a bid for back to back cup wins, showing the way in the waning laps of the Good Wrench 500 at North Carolina Motor Speedway.
5: Pulling away on the final lap. He will have clear
0: track just about the rest of the way. Bonnet into turn three with a five-curling advantage. Neil Bonnet stays glued low to the low side of the racetrack. Coming off turn four, 1988 has been the Huey Town hustle so far. Neil Bonnet wins the Goodwrench 500. Lake Speed is second.
12: 1994. South African dairy specialists combine 1,955 gallons of milk, ice cream, and syrup, enough to earn the Guinness Book of World Records Idol as Planet Earth's largest milkshake. Hicks Brooks and Ronnie Dunn were a couple of hard-working men scooting up the country charts with the B-side single, Rock My World, Little Country Girl. And Ernie Irvin was the man in the Commonwealth of Virginia, leading 189 of 400 laps in the Pontiac Excitement 400 at Richmond International Raceway. Rock my world, little
0: country around the bobby Hillen automobile ernie irvin comes out of turn number four he'll win for the first time here at richmond international raceway and should take over the lead in the nascar winston cup point standings a big win for ernie irvin here this afternoon in
12: richmond and those are just some of the events from this week in nascar history
1: thank you suzy that's going to do it for this week's nascar live we'd like to thank kyle larson for spending some time with us also our thanks to ty gibbs also alex hayden Jeff Striegel for stopping by as well. And we'd like to thank you for being a part of this week's show as well. For the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. We thank you for joining us as well. We'll chat with you next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody.
4: NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrion, Julian Council, and Rich Cobra. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.
0: Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes.